This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Thanks once again to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation for their continued support of everything according to Flint and welcome to episode number 63 of our podcast as I bring a guest that I still call a kid because I've known him since he was a kid and he has an interesting perspective of the Western sports world, first traveling with his dad who was a a specialty act and rodeo clown, then as a contestant himself, a trick roper, now not just a rodeo announcer, but but an influential figure in bringing the Western way of life to the fans uh, as a broadcaster and in arena in every way. Excited to have a great conversation with my friend Anthony Lucia. But we couldn't do it without the support of people like Pendleton Whiskey and Montana Silversmiths. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories. Stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths buckles and jewelry celebrate what matters with montana silversmiths oh welcome everybody to episode number 63 of course according to flint and happy to welcome <laughs> episode 63 not the monkey episode anthony lucia himself coming to us as we record this podcast from San, beautiful San Antonio, Texas, the Stan, San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. Nice yeah, down there. Yeah. Big deal. Big deal oh, yeah. down there. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. They they get a uh, 1.4 million people. I read a stat the other day that Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, San Antonio and Rodeo, all are ranked higher than the Super Bowl for the amount of economic impact that they have on their cities. And so that's pretty cool to see that rodeos and stock shows are able to do that. Granted, it's over a three-week period, and the Super Bowl is one day, but that's not the point. The Super Bowl is not. There's nothing one day about the Super Bowl. So, Okay, hey, okay, well, good. Well, then it makes me feel better about that stat. Um, as we do this, because people will watch it later, but we're coming off of the Super Bowl. Um, yes. Are you what I, I predict, I just had a memory on the Super Bowl on Facebook of a post I did from like last year or the year before this said, hey, everybody, complain about the halftime show now before it happens so we just get it out of the way. 
I every year somebody posts people post pictures of George Strait. Do you right. worry? Do you worry about that? We were just talking. I don't worry about so it. I, like just enjoy the production, right? I, that's the same. I I don't know. I feel like people in this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna sound like you. All <laughs> these people that, all these people that have nothing better to do than to complain about something on Facebook. Facebook and, and phones have given us all a if the immediately that we feel something, think something, most of the times negative, not anything good. They're going people are going to their phones. And the, the halftime show, it's just like, turn it off. Yeah. I had this big deal the other day or at Fort Worth, somebody was said I ruined the Cowboy Channel because Fort Worth Suction Rodeo hired me to do the pre-show and do different stuff at the Fort Worth Stockton Rodeo. And they literally posted on the Cowboy Channel Facebook that I ruined the Cowboy Channel. You single-handedly. Single-handedly. And so all I wrote was hashtag mute me. That's all I wrote. Back to this person. And then it, it proceeded to about 600 comments of people that I guess do enjoy me. And they went to bat for me and this poor sucker I, I've, I've literally wanted to check on him because these people were not nice in defending me, but that wasn't my point. My point is, if you don't like something, change the channel, mute it. Who cares? And especially with our friend group, everybody, well, Chris Stapleton should have done the halftime show. George Strait, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, great. Nice. I, I, not everybody I, thinks the way that we do. What you did to that guy or gal, whoever it was that said you ruined Ruin the Cowboy Channel. I call it unleashing the dogs. Like, I will re... I will comment on one of those just so everybody sees it and then go... (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, by the way, there's that one guy that you're not even in his top (laughs) ten. That was on my... Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they can't help it. What a miserable... This is it. By the way, this was not on on the card. To talk to, but it's oh a, I think gosh. it's a good topic because it's a necessary evil in what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, we talked about well, off the air, my friend Clint Atkins who announces and he's like, boy, is my life so much better. You just keep looking at that social media. I said, well, I kind of do it because we do live shows and, and we need to take the temperature, read the room about what to address. But, yeah. but um, it's uh for people, a miserable existence to just automatically go that direction. Yeah. And you defended yeah. another one of my colleagues. And then yep. the guy says, well, you ain't in my top 10 either. <laughs> and was it Brad Narducci <laughs> said, you suck, man. Hey, Anthony, hey, Anthony you're terrible. Uh, I don't know, but I remember that now because it was about Matt. And I... I I've tried to make a thing where I don't get on Facebook late at night. If I've, especially if I've had a drink or two or a couple beers where, you know, because like during the day, like I see it and I'm just like, that's stupid. I don't even, it's like, it's leaves blowing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But then at night, whenever, I, you know, maybe a bit buzzed or something like that. And then I'm not an alcoholic people. Like I don't drink every night, but anyways, whatever I do. And I'll no, look I- at it and I'm just like, <laughs> and it just makes me, it infuriates me. Because people are so mean and so rude and their opinion means nothing. And if they were in front of me, they would never dream of saying something like that. 
that's the biggest thing that pisses me off. I don't know if I can say that on you can here, say but pissed, yeah, yeah. Just uh, not, you can they, say pissed off. You just can't say shit. Okay. No. okay copy. <laughs> but like, they would never come up to you and say, you're not mine. My top 10 of announcers. I don't even like you. They would never do that in real life ever. Yeah, I, I agree. We, you and I, what you're saying is what I have. The, the guys here know. Yeah. I say the same thing, and that's what people are like. Why do you let it bother you? It, it doesn't so much bother bother me what they say to me. It's more that they're so nutless, you right. know. So what? Well, here's what yep. I'm gonna do. When I see you on Instagram or Facebook, I'm just gonna type, "You look really nice today, Anthony." Just something, <laughs> you know. Who says that? Yeah. And I will text you and say, are you feeling okay? Is something, <laughs> your is something beard, bad happening? Your beard looks is like this code crap. word? <laughs> no, but is you're going to know. For- you're going to know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. What, uh, okay, yeah. so Fort Worth and San Antonio. Is your role in San Antonio the same as it was in Fort Worth? If so, what is that role? Yeah, so the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo hired me to enhance their Cowboy Channel pregame show and do to enhance their broadcast basically where we're still taking the in-house announcers but amy wilson and i did all the ins and the outs from the breaks um and then san antonio actually this was my third year here so three years ago san antonio hired me to create a watch party for them uh and then last year they started utilizing me inside of the at&t center doing interviews before the rodeo. Um, and then I get to introduce, I kind of start, I get everybody hyped up and introduce, uh, the Palomino patrol or last night it was the Escatamuzas. And, and so I do that and then I go over to watch party and there's now it's this year has been phenomenal. Um, we call it Bud Light live and it's just this interactive, they've got beautiful screens and line array sound systems and, uh, they play the rodeo on and then we do, we give away stuff and, there's VIP suites in there and it's just a different kind of experience for the the fan than they have their own when the concerts go on inside of AT&T Center uh then we have our own entertainers that I introduce them and then they play and dancing and it's just fun <clears throat> so really it's a venue outside the main venue a, a little yeah, like yeah, what, it's a little like the NFR it's it's uh yeah i i guess i didn't know that and when i think of things to enhance the rodeo things to make rodeo better that that's it stuff like that uh give yeah. people another option where they can take it all in they don't have to go and sit in there but have fun man that i like that there's some possibilities yeah. there hmm i'm seeing a yeah. future <laughs> you need some uh, help you need some was, help down there for well you know what's funny is yesterday they or I'm sorry, not yesterday. When did we have rehearsals? Wednesday night. Your name got brought up out of nowhere by the bosses. Just in general, like why can't you be yeah. more like Flint? Like sorry. no, no, no. That was it. <laughs> like if if Flint ever wants to come to San Antonio, you're out. Uh, no, uh, which I my goal is obviously to be announcing this rodeo, and that's one of the and the same thing with Fort Worth. Those are my goals, and these are opportunities. I've I've always. I've always had the mindset of however I can be a part of events that are my goals and work hard at those events, show people my personality, show them what I can do, show them my work ethic, then the opportunities will come. And, and so in all seriousness, but 
Uh, no, it's a, it's a great deal. And I was talking to the president of San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo last night, David White, and I said, he goes, so many people were worried that this would take away from our audience at the AT&T Center. And he's like, I don't think so. And I go, I know it doesn't. What you're doing is you're creating fans. Mm -hmm. You're creating fans that didn't maybe have never been to the rodeo, have never seen a rodeo, that are walking by, going to the fair and the carnival and all the things like that and go and see the animals. And they're watching this rodeo. They're having fun. And then they go, next year, we're going to save up and we're going to go in there and watch the concert and everything. And it's really, it's, they have a great group down here where they really think outside the box. And, uh, and so it's, it's really neat just that's, to even be a part of it. That's brilliant. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't, I don't take that word lightly, but you're exactly right. Because then they go, holy crap, if it's this much fun in here, mm-hmm. let's go in there. Now there'll be those people that say, we watch that rodeo. We ain't paying all that money to go in there. We're going to watch <laughs> right. here. That's okay. You're a fan. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever. I think it's great. They're still buying $13 beers in Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? I, I mean, it's like, I, it's a win-win. Yeah. And I, I'm serious about, you know, in the next, as I look ahead in my career, I would love to come in and watch out and walk around and just see all of the things and give input. And uh, you're right sure. though, but you're right. And this is why I love your perspective on, on the Western sports world, whether it's PBR, you know, not just rodeo, but. Just to be involved, you know, I, I get people now say, do you still work the NFR? And so, I still work at the NFR because yeah. I am some in some way an influence and a, a pivotal part of something. Yep. And that's, I appreciate that you're not out to, I want to just announce that rodeo. Any way you can be a part of things, you have become recognizable because you're in all these different places, right? Yeah, yeah. I learned a long time ago, and I think, I mean, I've been learning this from you about you create a brand, and I'm, I'm my own business. I'm my own brand, and the more I can grow my brand and the more that I, my, I'm promoting my brand by not shoving in people's faces but just doing what I do and being seen, you create a, like somebody said last night, they were joking. They said something about me being a celebrity. I said, I'm not a celebrity, I said, but a lot of people do know me, and that's good. Because like good or bad, whether we just, I just talk smack on the people that were talking crap about me on Facebook, but on the same hand, they're watching. And so it's increasing my, my brand and my quote unquote celebrity. And that helps me, that helps me pay, pay my bills and get different jobs and, and be able to being diverse. And this is something you've always done. You can do, you can be serious guy. You can be funny guy. You can do be interview guy. You can be host guy, um, and you can be an entertainer inside an arena. That is so important, I think, in order to be able to not just be put in a box of rodeo announcer, rodeo clown, team roper, blah 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 blah. It's like, what can you not do? I agree. Uh, you know, I uh, people have asked me, "What what are you going to do now?" Uh, I'll figure it out. I mean, possibilities are endless. I'll, I'll be, I'll figure it out somehow. I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those rodeos, uh, we'll just use Fort Worth, San Antonio. I'll throw, throw Denver in there. Houston, a little, little bit. It is hard to describe to people the difference in going to Ellensburg, Washington for four days. Woohoo. 
and going to a rodeo that's 30 performances in 15 days, the whole frame of mind is different. You know, I did Denver those years, and you get to a point where you're almost just clocking in at the beginning of the day. You got to be careful. Yeah. Whole different approach, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because if you're not careful, you will just get to clock in. And then, obviously, you. I mean, I don't know if it, for me, if I don't stay excited, like I'm such a, when I'm on and behind the mic, like my presence and, and my animation is what helps me with what I do, whether I'm announcing or doing television or whatever it is, that's what helps me. And even like having to walk in front of five, 600 drunk people <laughs> at the wash party, like if I'm not careful, I can get a little sour because it's like, oh, great. I only have six hooey caps that I can give away. There's 500 people here. That means that 494 of them are going to be pissed off at me. <laughs> um, and so it's a deal where you almost have to like talk yourself and say, I am pretty, I am smart. And by God, people like <laughs> people me. like me. And then you go down and yes. And you go down and you do your job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a different frame. It's, it's, it makes, so like the Americans coming up, I get done with this, have a week off, and then I go to the American. That's going to be so simple. It's like we do two performances and then we're done. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's just incredible. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm thankful because it's a different mindset. And you, I mean, especially doing what you did of having to be creative and funny for two and a half hours, two, three times a day. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy cow. But how much, how, how good did that make you? Yeah. I, well, for one, I was young. <laughs> I was legged, <laughs> legged up at the end of it. Um, but there's a, you know, what has to happen in the arena, what has to happen in the arena, everybody's got to be on that page of you're tired. You're tired. I'm tired. Uh, let's go. The band here, you know, the analogy is okay. The guitar player's tired. Bass player's got to step up. Uh, the best yep. thing, the best thing, honestly, I can say it that happened to me at Denver doing two and three a day was Boyd Paul Hamus. Boyd Paul Hamus. Really? Uh, I don't know how he did it. I was always amazed. I always said, tell people you've never seen the Boyd Paul Hamus in the 18th performance on a Thursday afternoon. Say to me, Hey Flint, what's your favorite song? And when we go on for like 12 calf ropers. So <laughs> point being. Yeah, you all got it's team. It it really becomes a team thing there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you brought up Denver. So the other day we were talking about how I mean I've literally known you my whole life, and and Brad Narducci and I were getting emotional the other day whenever you announced your retirement, and and we just about the impact you've had. And I go, man, I've got I've got some Flint stories from when I was a little kid, and you were still rodeoing, and you talked about Denver. The first time I ever got in trouble with the police <laughs> was because of you and I, John Brogan and not Eddie just me, not just me. <laughs> yes, and okay with John Brogan and Eddie Hatfield because you used to be parked in the warm up arena. Do you remember this? Hmm? Oh yeah, my little trailer was yeah. in the warm up arena, and John yeah. Brogan had yeah. his against the wall, <laughs> and then Eddie's was out in the parking lot by yeah. my mo- motorhome. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, exactly. So you guys, there was two or three day perfs and Susan Canode always kept beer in her office. And you're like, and I'm like 11 FYI, <laughs> you are like, Hey, and I used to dad, for some reason, 
was a very strict man, but he let me hang out with you guys. Weird. So any chance I got, I would come hang out with you guys because I just was like, you know, this 11-year-old kid listening to all these grown legends um, and future goats talk about uh, just everything. And you're like, go get us some beer, Anthony. Yeah, it was and after I, I a show. It was a, it was after a performance, like at night. Okay. Yeah, more, than, yeah. more than likely. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was at night. Anyways, I think you were just setting me up. And so I go and get like three beers and I put them in a plastic bag. And, you know, there's cops right there checking credentials. And I hear, son, come back over here. I look over and there's a cop and he's got his cop face on. And uh, yes, sir. What are you doing with that beer? I said I'm taking it to uh taking it to uh and I didn't want to throw you guys on the bus. I was like to some friends and he's like, Are they over the age of twenty one? I go, Oh yeah. And then he gets this concerned look on his face. Why is this eleven year old kid taking beer to a bunch of grown men? Uh... <laughs> and and he goes, We have a name for what you're doing. And like, I'm what? Like, I'm thinking, like, we're in the rodeo. Like, you've seen me every day for the last two weeks. Like, you know who I am. And he's like, what, you, what you're what you doing is called muling, and it's wrong. You need to, when you take this, you need to let those guys know that you're done working for them. Oh, working, okay. for, working that. for us. Yeah, yeah, I was working for you guys now. <laughs> and so I remember, I'll never forget, like, I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to jail. I bring the beer to you guys. <laughs> And you guys let me have a sip of my first beer. Yeah. Well, and people should know. Uh, and I didn't. People should know you were working Denver. And that's the first time. One of the <laughs> first there. times I've met you. Because your dad, your dad, Tommy, had whiplash yeah. the cowboy monkey. Let's just get that clear. Uh-huh. So we pretty much tortured you every day that you were doing bad things with this monkey. That was the running joke every day. Every day. And you just you kept coming back. You did have a lot of back. different analogies. Jeez. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. <laughs> but no, do you also remember the time at Brawley, California? If we're going to reminisce. Brawley, I do. I don't, it, this was so long ago. That was the, but you were, that was the first time I met you. And I, we had, I sat at a dinner with you the night before the rodeo started um, and met you and your dad at a committee function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you used to do your Jerry. See, all these people, I hope that they've... So I love what you've done with the PBR, but I'm going to say people... I don't think a lot of people have forgotten, but people need to remember the baddie that you were in a rodeo arena when you had two and a half hours and you were rocking and rolling and you had your actual acts. Because you had the Jerry Lee Lewis, the, the great Balls of Fire piano act, that to this day is one of the best acts in the, it, that's ever been. And I'm not just pandering. Um, but you used to wear brown pants for that. And I'll never forget, Dad, we were watching the act. And, of course, I'm just loving it. And Dad goes, that boy needs to wear white pants. He's got his legs are blending in. People need to see what his legs are doing. And you came out of the arena and he told you that. And my dad, you know, Hall of Famer and obviously well-respected in our industry. Um and and then the next week, I don't remember where it was, but then we saw that you had on white pants. And mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, even you wear bright shoes and mm-hmm. everything like to that. People day. had to see what you're, they had to see what, you, yeah. You know what's weird about that? Pretty neat. 
I remember I had, I'd gone to a vintage store or a secondhand store and I, those pants, they would not fit me now, <laughs> but they were a boot cut, light brown. They had little black pinstripes in them and they were Wrangler pants. And I thought they were the coolest <laughs> ever. And I wore them with a tux coat. And I'll never forget. I came yeah. out of the arena and I was sweating and I was changing back and your dad walked. He said, that was really great. And I said, well, thanks. He goes, yeah, I wear different pants. I'll never forget that. And he said, people need to see. And I did from that point forward, I wore some sort of bright pants, whether they were, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. And, and I had forgotten about that, that, that changed the way it would takes people like that. And I hope young guys now understand that there are guys that will step up and, and make it say, Hey, can I suggest this? And we really just mm-hmm. want the best, you know, for that next yeah. guy. And that was your dad. Sure. No matter what, even when he, I've never, I can say, and then we'll change the subject. I don't know that <laughs> I've ever had my ass chewed as bad as old Tommy Lucia did for making faces at his monkey. That monkey, you know the story. That monkey was eating his cracker, waiting to go in the arena at Denver. And he'd look <laughs> up at me and you, you remember how he'd go? Yes. He'd eat. And your dad would shake his yeah. hand and he's doing this and I'm just yeah. leaning on the fence and I'm tired. And he goes, memory. He do the hissing thing. And yeah. he did it like three times. Yes, I do. And I keep looking at him and he finally goes, and I went, so we're having this face deal. And your dad was so mad at me. He was, he still loved well, me. I know well, he still loved me, but it, you know, <laughs> he did he he did indeed but no dad was always so like those monkeys are so this kind of talking about monkey talk with you this is bring back memories um they're they're so irritable <laughs> like when they they they'll hiss but then if you get them riled up then they scream like another pitch level and and whiplash would do that where he would be he would kind of ooh ooh and then if you like got him pissed or scared him or startled him or he wanted to bow up to you, then he would just, I mean, that's what they do like in the wild. And so I guarantee you, dad was just mad that you made the monkey scream. <laughs> he didn't, he did though. He said, you can't get these, you can't get these animals riled up, man. You can't do that. I'm like, right, right. I was just. I made a face back at him. Dad that's used up. to carry the cane. Do you remember the cane that he carried? And he would like legitimately like poke at people to keep them back. Like stay away from my monkey. <laughs> I do remember. The, yeah. Still the greatest was oh, when, when the dog. I missed would, that guy. When, when the dog would come back with the monkey and your dad, he was such a, your dad was an intimidating man, but the, my best moment when he had whiplash was, He'd reach down and shake his, he'd reach down, and shake his hand. Remember? Yeah. And I'd watch that every time because instantly old grouchy Tommy Lucia would become this guy that was shaking hands with a monkey. You know what? But it was just this, I do it every time I go, oh, yeah, look at him. Cause yeah. <laughs> anyway, yep. he was an intimidating Absolutely. man, but, no, dad. He, but what, what, what he created in you and kind of what, yeah. I wanted our conversation today to be about is he gave you the opportunity to see rodeo a little bit like my dad did to see rodeo from a different perspective than anyone else did. And then as your career went, you have seen it yeah. 
from the 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 contract act side um you've seen it from the rodeo clown side because you're, that's what your dad was and then your brother Tommy Joe was yeah. contestant side I think you bring that in your TV stuff and your announcing, right? You, you can look at everything from different angles. Yeah, and, and I, I've always thought that that gave me. My dad never announced rodeos, right? But any, any, whenever, whenever he passed away, I was kind of heavily in doing broadcasting with Ride TV and the PBR and stuff. Um, but it was one of those things where the different sides. I think it gives me more empathy and not only obviously gives me more knowledge, but it gives me more empathy to what a contestant being a contestant to what they're going through in that the few seconds that they're in, the, they're in the arena being able to work with a clown. I can feel if he's starting to flutter or step or kind of get off, I can jump in there and save him or whatever. And with acts, especially I love working acts because growing up, I mean, that's how I started announcing was literally announcing my dad's acts. And so I love doing specialty acts, but more than that, I've literally been a fan of rodeo my entire life. Like I don't ever remember a time where I was just like, like rodeo's boring. I didn't leave. I didn't come back. I didn't get soured by it and then miss it and then come back. I've always loved rodeo. And as a fan I also can see rodeo from a fan's perspective and being an entertainer is in my blood. And I was taught by same way. My dad could see that you needed to wear white pants. There's he, he had a knowledge about him about how to make people and bring joy. It's what you've done. I mean, and I'm not, again, I'm, I feel like I'm, this has been a stroke you <laughs> podcast, but that's a great name for a podcast, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but, Stro uh, I, I'm here to stroke you with your host, like Anthony golf Lucia. Strokes. Yeah, <laughs> like strokes, like golf strokes. Yeah, right, right. Um, but but being a fan and then understanding, if I was sitting watching this rodeo, what would I want to see? Yeah. What do I want to know? And that doesn't always nail it. Or if I'm doing television, I don't always nail it. I have whiffs every time I pick up a microphone. But because I'm a fan, because I love it, and because I've been in all these different things, I'm never going to stop trying to be better. And I think that's what is helping me progress in this business. In the sport of rodeo, I think, and this is just because of most of them, that's all they've done. I don't know that there are all that many contestants that understand what we, we are trying to accomplish, looking in the eyes no. of fans and what fans really are there to see and what pays the bills and what it. It's hard to explain. A contestant will have a whole different perspective. Um, yeah. However, as an announcer, even a TV guy, you do got to stroke them a little bit. Uh, I know we're using that term. Oh, yeah. But you know as a contestant kind of how, how the rodeo should feel to you, but we know in production how it should feel to, to those people. Exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. It, I think a few years ago when a few of them broke off and did some rodeos and it, the ERA thing or whatever, I think there was, I, I think there was a, I, I, I think there was a lesson in going, wait a minute. We don't just run in the stock and do a rodeo like, right. Uh, it, for one, everybody has Absolutely. to get paid. 
Uh, so, but it was a yeah. learning experience, probably a, a positive from that. Oh, I absolutely think it was. And I think it, especially that group, that core group that was kind of behind it. Um, I think it was a huge learning experience and, you know, Bobby's still doing stuff with WCRA and everything like that. And then all those competitors that were involved that they've all come back and won more world titles in, in pro rodeo. And I think they came back with more of a, a gracious mindset going, holy cow, thank you, committees. Thank you, stock contractors. I don't know, maybe not, I'm maybe not going to go that far, but um, they, it dang sure did give them a, uh, a more of a, a grateful perspective because there's a lot to go to do what you do, to do what I do, to just to put on a rodeo. Like, it's incredible the amount of work that goes on weeks, months, years before a latch even cracks at a rodeo, at a PBR. It's not just we roll in the week of and we set up. It's like how much planning went in to not only the setup, what Jerome used to do and where to pin the bulls and just, it's it's incredible. Um, I made a note so I would, I'll tell you when it, when it really dawned on me the knowledge of production or lack of knowledge was during COVID. Uh, but during COVID when rodeos were making the decisions months ahead to cancel their rodeos and rodeo contestants were going, aren't you a little soon here? I mean, we're three months from this rodeo. Are you telling you you, us, you got to make the decision now. And I'd go, yeah. Yeah. Where's the money come from there? And all of those, not that, it was the right thing to do in society, but with what they were being forced to do, most of them were the right decisions. Just with what, not, okay, bigger picture, we know different things. But it really made me go, you really don't understand that they do this. Like the people in Denver right now, as we're doing this, are working on next year. Have it laid out. Mm -hmm. And and I don't, it's funny. Yeah. It's uh. You know, somebody said, why can't we do rodeos here, here, here? I've had different cowboys say that to me and I've gone, go put, go do one. And I'm not being a smart ass here. Go do one. And then report back, report back to the tent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's, I think it would be great if, if more players, more contestants understood that side of it. But on the same token, it's like, would it, would it enhance us as a as a group? I think yes, but on the at the end of the day, it's like as long as we still have continued players entering and spending money and make and spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars on rigs, buying two hundred thousand dollars horses, and are willing to foot the bill to do this and play this game, that's fine. Yeah, let me Just let, keep keep coming because let, we need you. Before somebody watches this and goes, "Oh, Flint was bashing contestants," whatever. Let me be clear. There's a lot of stuff goes on with contestants yeah. that I wouldn't do and don't understand either. Oh, I want to be clear on that. Absolutely, we're, we're presenting one side. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah, of yeah, yeah, and speaking of that and fans, uh, fans' perspective, what we do for fans, um, and the big rodeos, you know, the Denvers and Fort Worths and San Antonios and Houston's. There's been in the last few years, uh, rodeos too complicated. We need to change it up. We need to. Make it a winner every day. I don't, 
I'm a rodeo person and I don't always understand what's going on. Um, Cheyenne has done it. And maybe that's just the, maybe I'm, you know, get off your lawn guy, get off my lawn guy. But I don't always understand bracket one, series three, per four, he wins, he moves on. <laughs> do the fans know it's, or do the, here's the th- question. Do the fans like it? Do they know, understand it? Or do they even care? They're just there to watch a rodeo. Uh, I think a little bit of both. To be completely honest, it's the the tournament styles when the people explain them, they've overcomplicated it so much. Because if I, I have, if you were to say, okay, how does it work at San Antonio? The top four money winners in each of the five brackets move on to the semifinals. And then if you move, if you, if you win, continue to win a lot of money, it's all about money won at all of them. At Fort Worth is the same way. It's a little bit different at Fort Worth because their wild card is it just works different. They do more of a an at large, and they do a couple different things. But it's simple. You win money. You win the most money, and I I will take credit or not credit. I will take the blame. And as representing all announcers, we're not doing a good enough job explaining. It. I think they do an incredible job at Houston explaining it. Because they you, they have really good videos and uh, they slow down just for a second to make sure that people understand. So if you do care, because here's the thing, you can either care or not care. Either way, it doesn't matter. If you care about how they move on, great. If you don't care, also great. Yeah. Just you bought a ticket, doesn't matter. But I do think, I do really like the tournament style. We were talking about it last night because there's, in San Antonio, five brackets, Every competitor gets three chances. So it's a one-header every time. Every night. What does that mean? That means they're going to, yeah, every time a cowboy backs in there, he's not going, I just need to go catch this one to stay in the average or whatever. They're trying to go fast. And the team roping last set of 4-1 was fourth. Like, it was incredible. And the barrel racing, they're going, I mean, it's just, it makes for such a good show where the days of, just catch this one or ride this one to stay good in the average are over at the big rodeos. And it's awesome. Yeah, I think, and, and again, from a fan's perspective, and I think, I think at those rodeos that are 25 performances or whatever you do it because you get confused in, I remember being at Denver that he's 9.4, but he went out of the average on da da da, <laughs> and he's this on his first one. There was a lot. Yeah. So when I yeah. say it, it's just new to me. And I, plus, yeah. keep, keep something in mind. I have not been out there um, rodeoing since all this started. So I, but yeah. I have been, uh, you know, I, I did go to Calgary for a lot of years. And the one thing it did was it, that's a little different too. Two groups. Go at it every day. Yeah. Money moves on. It was pretty easy. They had a winner every yep. day. So the 20,000 people in Calgary, 16,000 of them that had never seen rodeo, they know that on Tuesday afternoon when the rodeo ends, those, and they'd present them all with Brunt, they win. They win. Yep. That's it. So I guess. Yeah, yep. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Uh, get, get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it's good. And, now, the one thing I will say is some rodeos aren't ready or shouldn't be tournament styles 
because I don't have enough money added. And now I'm sounding like this is the competitor side of me coming out. They don't have enough money added. You have to have over a million dollars to make it all. I mean, like Fort Worth is 1.2. San Antonio was 1.4. Denver, 500,000. Right. And that was actually, you brought it up, but I I was going to bring it up. Denver that we love. Yeah. I love, you know, the people in charge. Love Denver. Yeah. What you're doing is spreading. Everybody wins a little. And nobody wins that yeah. significant amount to really boost your winter. You know, the winner at Denver, yep. there was guys stepping up going, I won more in 1986, you know? Yeah. So you're correct. And that's, it's an industry thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, my brother helps produce Tommy Joe helps produce Denver. Like I love, I'm invested in Denver. Uh, love that place. It just, Denver was confusing because they had, they paid one first round, one second round, but then you had to, you can move out of your, you had to progress out of your performances, but you didn't get paid for progressing out of your performances. So like I had some team rope buddies progressed out of their performances, went all the way to the semifinals and they won $79 because they placed last in the first round. They split it like 12 different ways mm, yeah. and they won $79. Yeah. And they were three, four trips to Denver from Weatherford, Texas. Abroad. Yeah, and that's going to, so. that's going to be the blowback on that is a, a great rodeo. And I think it happened a little this year. People are going to go, not worth going up to Denver. Let's, let's, let's focus our resources Absolutely. somewhere else. Uh, th- that's the, that's yeah. what you worry about, you know, anyway, deep stuff. Well, deep stuff. but you know, what's going to happen. The one person for every one person that says they're not going, there's five that says, I'm going to Denver. We're going. I'm going to enter. And that's it. the nature of our game. It's the nature of this our game. This makes zero sense. Yeah, it makes zero sense for less money. Let's rodeo. Okay. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I I remember. Uh, I remember the first time fuel hit three bucks a gallon. I always contend that I was the only rodeo clown ever to work the Pendleton Roundup and brought all of my stuff in a minivan. Because gas was three dollars a gallon, and I don't. Every time fuel goes up, everybody's going. What's going to happen to the rodeo business? Oof. Cowboys are always broke anyway. They don't know. Like, right. who was it? Was it you and me? I, I think it's it, that during COVID, when there was no rodeos, the big joke was Cowboys are doing better financially this year than they've ever done in their lives because they can't go to any rodeo. I think we. Yeah, I know. I said that. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've said that. I said that a lot. I was like, these Cowboys, the first time they've actually had money. And it's awesome. Like that, that lifestyle that they're willing to live because they love it so much. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so, well, another one of the many reasons I'm such a fan of, of professional rodeo for that very reason that you have people literally willing to spend a, their life savings to chase a dream, to live their dream to travel the country and get little sleep and spend more than you'll ever make. And they do it and they love it. And it's beautiful. And crazy. It's crazy. And And crazy. It's beautiful and crazy. Speaking of intimidating people, you just mentioned him in a sentence and rolled by it. Your dad was an intimidating figure just because he was straightforward. Your brother, Tommy Joe. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he used to. You yeah. Know, there was a time he produced our shows. He was kind of my boss at the PBR. 
And we'd have production meetings and he would call, he'd say, all right, Flint, what's happening in this city? What's going on? What, look into that. It brings something. He, he really, uh, he's intimidating in a way that, uh, and that's a, it's in your family. He makes people step up. If you're going to work here and you're going to work for me, we're doing it this way, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Tommy Joe has been huge influence, huge influence on my life. My dad taught me how to entertain, you know, trick roping and all that stuff and watching him. Um, and then when he passed away, it was kind of that weird, weird place in my career where I had two years removed from trick roping the national finals rodeo wanting to get more into announcing trying to get more into announcing the tv stuff the broadcasting stuff with ride tv is really starting to pick up i was broadcasting uh barrel racing world championships the ritos of downs fraturities and rainbow derbies and all that stuff and and then when i where i went really started to announce more and more tommy joe really his brain you want to talk about beautiful and crazy his brain and how, like you just said, how not only does he see production, but what he can bring from the people around him. And he has been such a huge influence on my career um, through the butt chewings, through the encouragement, through telling me that I suck, to to telling me that I'm going to be the best ever. Um, gosh, I, Tommy Joe is just, and he is terrifying. We got, <laughs> We had our first... Holy cow, Salt Lake last year. I'm doing this. He created this amazing finale where he brought out this lady. She was on this beautiful white horse, all LED lights, and it's dark in an outdoor pen, which nobody ever goes dark in outdoor pen, but Tommy Joe does. And he was he had this we Brad Narducci found music and I wrote this script and it was about talking about patriotism and uh of course obviously at Salt Lake they're celebrating the pioneers of of the olden days that settled the valley and, and all that. And, and we're right, reading this. Well, right after that, I sell, I sell it kind of subtly sell it and then take your eyes skyward as we light up with this, whatever I say. And apparently they weren't ready to shoot fireworks. So I'm climbing, I'm about to crescendo about to make these people just explode in their seats with this amazing cell. And I go, blah, 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 blah. Now take your eyes skyward as we light up the sky with the pioneer pride. And this Tommy Joe rips his headset off, and I know you've seen it. And I think I just freaking hung the moon, and I just reinvented how we did rodeo. And he rips his, do you not listen? And I'm like, what? I told you to wait. When? When did you tell me to? Anyways. So I get mad because I, honest to God, he, I never, and I've never in my life have bowed up. I bowed up to my dad one time and it was, my dad used to get a little physical with us. And when I turned 18, I was done with it. And he come, he was gonna, he was walking to me and he was going to do whatever. And I met him halfway and I said, if you're going to do this, it's going to be the last thing you do. And I, I like it would gotten to that point. Well, I've never bowed up to Tommy Joe in my life. And I've been scared of Tommy Joe, not scared, but like respect, intimidating. That's the right word. And that night he was doing this in my chest and I just stood there and, and I'm a little bit taller than Tommy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally, he's looking up at me and I'm like, in my brain, my brain, everything in my body is saying, 
run, run, <laughs> just be done with this. Say you're sorry, Anthony, get out of this. And I was mad and he was mad. And, and I'm like, cause he was telling me to stretch. I did not hear it. I was, I was zoned in. I was focused, did not hear it. Everybody knew that I was supposed to stretch or stress or stretch rather. Uh, but me, this. everyone in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I never saw it. Apparently he did that. Never <laughs> saw it. And so, and then he's getting mad at me cause I didn't do it. And it all worked out fine. Cause Brad covered with a little bit of music 30 seconds later, fireworks go off. But Tommy Joe wants his shows tight. He wants them where it's, it's like, it's a beautiful script. It's a, it's a, it's a flowing production. I mean, you've worked with them countless times, but so after we get done yelling at each other, and again, I've never yelled at Tommy Joe, like my adrenaline and my, my anger go, comes down. And then all of a sudden it's sheer panic. Like I'm, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired by my brother. This is going to be the worst thing in the world. And so I go in there to his office. And this is how awesome my brother is. I've done made an ass out of myself by yelling at my boss in front of God and everybody on our, at our front of house. I walk in there and before I can get out of the mouth, out of my mouth, he goes, I'm sorry, Anthony. I said, no, no, I'm sorry. You're not, you don't have any reason to be sorry. I'm sorry. He goes, no, I should have, I should have made sure that you knew or put my hand on you whenever I knew you were going to sell. I should have done better. Had Brandon pick it up. And that was my bad. And I'm like, that's so in that moment. And then of course, then I'm, I'm crying because I'm such an emotional. I love my brother so much and I'm so emotional anyways. Uh, I, like I hugged him and thank, you know, cause he just, that was such a, a big moment in my life because it it showed me what an actual leader does mm -hmm. it what an actual like person that will go okay team let's go get on my back we're charging normandy and even though what we do doesn't compare to big you know wars or battles or anything like that it still matters to a lot of people and there's a lot of pressure within it and tommy joe just I, like, I don't know. I can't, can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. I just, I love him. <clears throat> yeah. He's a, uh, you're uh, intimidating, but always he said, uh, he has said more kind words to me in his little way. Then that's when yeah. you know, it means something, you know, guys like, yeah. I always say guys Absolutely. like Tommy Joe Lucia, Cody Lambert, you can hear all the nice stuff in the world, but when it comes from people like that, then, you know, then, you know, so. Absolutely. Um, you brought something yeah, up the other day. Sure. You, you brought something up the other day to me, an incident that I forgot about. And you, earlier you mentioned, why did my dad let me hang out with you guys in Denver? <laughs> I forgot that in Woodlake, California, Joe Bumgardner and I loaded up and went and did the PBR in Bakersfield at night, back when I could do two performances uh -huh. a day. What the hell was your old man thinking going, Go ahead and go to Bakersfield with Joe and Flint. I forgot about that. I forgot you went with us. It was like an hour yeah. and a half drive. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Tommy Joe was producing it. And then I think my brother Josh might have been on the tour at that time too. Yeah. Helping doing signs and stuff with Jinx and, and that whole crew. Um, so dad was super protective of me. 
But man, with you guys, for some reason, like he just admired y'all so much that, yeah, go go ahead. And I, I think I was probably 13 or 14 at that time, maybe a little older. No, and, hey, uh, you, you, uh, hey, you were, you know how I know how old you were? You were 13 or 14 because you babysat my daughter Shelby in our motorhome. Oh, yeah. She was maybe a year old. She was a year old. And she yeah. is now going to be 24. So that makes sense. Okay. It, yep. There you go. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, dad, let me go down there with y'all and I'll never forget. Like, and I, I was such an awkward, like growing up with a monkey homeschooled being, I was just so weird. I was, wait, let's was, go through the categories. You were a rodeo <laughs> kid homeschooled and grew up with a monkey. Yeah. You were a little messed up. You were a little awkward. <laughs> I was very awkward. I know for a fact I was. And I, cause like, I didn't know who, I didn't have really an identity. Like I was Tommy Lucia's son. And, and anytime you're from a, a quote unquote rodeo famous family, like everybody knows Tommy Joe, everybody knows dad. And then there's this weird little chubby kid, you know, whatever. But all I, the reason I'm saying this is because Joe gave me a mossy oak vest. At the time, Mossy Oak, big time sponsor, the PBR. There was the Mossy Oak Riders. There was Mossy Oak Mudslinger. And he gave me a bullfighting. He was it said bullfighter on it. And he gave me this vest. And when I put this vest on, I felt like it was like I just put on the cloak of, of strength. Because it made me feel like I was the coolest son of a gun that ever stepped foot inside of a PBR. And when I walked down in there, Oh, I just, I don't know why you guys were so nice to me, but y'all were. And it was still, still just makes me smile. And if my prediction is correct, because you rode about three hours in a car with Joe Bumgarner, you then had the <laughs> F word per- perfected. <laughs> yes. Uh, so dad would cuss a lot. Dad, my dad, dad would say shit. He would say, damn, like it was. In other words, but he never said the F word. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's probably why Joe gave me the vest because he could see that I was emotionally scarred from hearing him <laughs> say the F word so much. Uh, here, here, son, this will make you feel better. Joe, but every time I still see Joe at the South Point and stuff, I got makes me laugh. Yeah. I love that guy. Joe's the only guy that was allowed to say the F word in front of my mom because she just gave up. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, listen, some battles but, just aren't worth you know, fighting. Just yet, let it go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I always tell people my claim to fame is with Anthony, and people talk about it. I say he babysat Shelby, and Shelby now is doing well. You know, successful and oh yeah, doing great. And I'll never forget we had a little we had a little motorhome. Paige wasn't even born yet, and we went to a little committee dinner, and uh, you said I'll I'll hang out with Shelby and. She just loved you, just you know. And we go in the motorhome, and you're you're playing with her. And it, anyway, that, I always say, Anthony. Anth- by the way, Joe yeah. Bumgartner babysat my girls one time too. So I believe that. <laughs> right in there. But um, in I, the I rodeo think, world, that's what we do. It is we help each other. It is. Um, keep being an influence. I I think we need. You know, that's where the rodeo world and this Western sports world has changed. I think we used to get away with every person does their job. And yes, it's a team, but a rodeo announcer is a rodeo announcer. A clown's a clown. 
But with the way our culture and our our society is moving so far away from this lifestyle, I think we now need people to influence and be influential in preserving and promoting that. And I think the way you describe, you know, if I describe you, is Anthony Lucia a rodeo announcer? No, is he a TV? No, you're you're influential in our world, and that's what you need to keep doing. And let's let's work together yeah. and be those people. That's that's what we have to do. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and just for all the committees who are listening, I am a rodeo announcer. So. <laughs> um, Flint, and, and I'll come cheaper than news. anybody. Says, no, bull crap. No, I'm joking. No, no. Um, yes, you are Daddy a rodeo announcer. But when yes. I think of you, you know that. You know. Yeah. No, I mean, and well, I think that as our as our business and 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 just like you changed the game of what a rodeo clown is and what can be expected from a clown slash entertainer. Um, slash barrel man to what you've made it into. And even now with myself and Gary Yergin and the younger guys that are coming up, we are, we can be more than just rodeo announcers. Our influence and our impact on a sport isn't just for the two and a half hours that we're standing in front of the rodeo fans talking through social media, through television through youtube and internets and podcasts and what the internet's wow i sound like i'm 80 years old the internet's a series of tubes and wires um but there's so many different outlets now that like you said we can be influencers and we can impact and grow our industry and educate and entertain uh through all these different outlets that are really i mean it's important because we've got to do it everybody else is doing it we've got to do it big and so that's Agreed. that's I appreciate you saying that because that's what that's the path that we're all on. Agree. Keep doing it, man. Got it? That's you right. keep you keep let's, doing it, hey, Flint. Let's keep doing it. Number one and number two, baby. Remember? <laughs> I uh, last story. Last yeah. story, and I know you gotta go. But when I, I had my talk show in live live with Lucia, it's in Las Vegas. And Flint's the one who inspired me about it, uh, to do it. And I didn't think it would be successful and it did actually. Um, it's not still not quite as big as Flint's, but either way I had, I asked Flint cause I was going to be on ride pass. I go, Flint, will you write like something like a quote, uh, that we can use on, you know, to promote live with Lucia and Flint's and Flint, well, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but when they sent me, when Julia sent back what you'd written, I was like, we can't use this. She said, we have to use this. Flint just said you're number two, but it was basically like. Anthony Lucia, known him his whole life. Great guy. Has the second best talk show in Las it, Vegas. He's, he, sure must, co- he, he must be so proud to have the second best talk show. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I was like, oh my God. But then I got thing. I was like, wait a second. I'll, I'll be number two to Flint. I mean, absolutely. That's a W in my book. Like, let's go. I forgot about that too. That's funny. I did, I did yeah. that on purpose. Listen, I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, Thank al- you. always being a good friend and, and your family and say hi to your wife and everybody. And I appreciate you, buddy. I will. And one final thought from Anthony. Thank you for being you. And thank you for always raising the bar in entertainment and you've changed the game more than, and I'm not going to get all sentimental, but you've changed the game. And I, I respect what you've done. I respect who you are, who you've grown into being. And you've always been the same guy to me since the time I was cleaning up monkey crap to now. 
and that means a lot. And everybody, you know, we've all, we've all made our, our blunders in life, but you've always been a light in mine. And I appreciate that. You got, we'll keep doing it, man. It's what we do in the words of you. Yep. It's what we do. Thanks buddy. It's what we do.